if you've got notes or whatnot, then I mean, I have barely any notes. Corey, I have like I'm going to be completely useless on uh, today's episode. I was I like hallucinating through most of the Grand Prix. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you saw a good Grand Prix then? You saw like a really, really good one? Because I didn't. Uh, I, I, for me, I, didn't. I was I was sitting in my like, you know, COVID corner of the couch uh, mm-hmm. underneath like, you know, blanket up to like the bridge of my nose. And like, it was just like, there's weather. Uh, yeah. Martin Brundle's talking to Will I Am. Uh, there's <laughs> cars, you know, <laughs> sending, you know, it's not raining yet. Yeah. Things are staying uh-huh. wet and they God. can't figure out how to not make them wet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, drove through a wall and just put the car in reverse and seemed to be otherwise completely fine. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and and whatnot. So yeah, it, was, it was it was a very surreal Grand Prix to me overall. And without question, every time that I looked at the lap counter, I was like, what, mm-hmm. what are we at? Are we like two thirds of the way through the race? And I'd be like, this is lap 14. what the hell is going on this has been going on so long already yeah yeah that was that was pretty nuts i think there was a a moment at uh during like the post race show where someone was like oh i just realized that uh what maybe it wasn't even the post race show it may have been like the post like the podium celebrations where (laughs) someone was like Oh, we've been broadcasting for four and a half hours. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. yeah, that's right. This yeah, they were fully broadcasting for four and a half hours, and they filled all that time with nonsense, mostly nonsense, but the, some good stuff. There was yeah, there was some good stuff in there. Uh, I mean, we're already doing it. We're already talking about the the Grand Prix. So let's let, let's let's just like call this the podcast. Um, what are your? Thoughts? This is a podcast. This is a podcast. Welcome to the F1 Files, folks. This is a couple of fans just doing a Formula One podcast here. Uh, oh, this podcast. This podcast. It. This one. Yeah, yeah. The the one where uh, two best friends just talk about Formula One as it relates to the fandom in and around the United States of America. Yeah, that one. Uh, uh. We should address the fact that last week we had to like we had so many things happen that we just had to take we had to take a week off and we apologize folks but we're not, we're not really that sorry if 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 I'm honest um John are you feeling that sorry about taking a week off I mean I thought it was the most respectful and dutiful thing mm-hmm. yeah. for yeah. us to do is to me it was the only responsible thing was to you know have a one week hiatus a a yeah moment of silence if you will yeah uh because of the events that had transpired yeah yeah i mean we we grew up in new york state which as everyone knows borders canada uh and not only borders canada but borders um the province of uh of quebec and this uh this these these past couple of weeks have been tough for the uh the province of quebec um and I'd say the uh, no disrespect, but the crown jewel of their <laughs> loss <laughs> it, it was uh, one half of their their F one hopes and dreams in the the likes of Nicholas Latifi has announced that uh, he's not coming back to Williams next year. So all we have are the billionaire tyrant and his son. Uh, they're the only representatives uh, from from uh from from montreal at this point which is it's upsetting it's sad yeah um, so yeah i mean you know it's a it's a blow to the formula one community as a whole to have mm-hmm. such an important figure in the sport yeah a figure who has had a hand in some of the biggest pivotal moments in yeah. recent formula one history yeah. nicholas latifi to uh be be moving on from the sport to be abandoning us to be walking away while everything was going 
so good. I mean, I think it stunned Formula yeah. One fandom as a, as a whole. Well, it's so. like, you know, if you're going to, you if you go out, you don't want to go out, and no disrespect to Sebastian Vettel, right? Like, that dude is a legend within the sport. But he didn't go out at the top of his game, you know? He kind of uh, he kind of went to Ferrari. He had some troubles he was, there. He was yeah. He was he was incredibly he was dominant, and then kind of fell back to the middle of the pack for several years, and then retired from there. But yeah, Nicholas Latifi. He uh, he he knew how to quit while he was consistently in yes twentieth twentieth yeah, place. Yeah, well, he's the most or a DNF. Yeah. Yeah, um, most he consistent did, DNF. I think he will continue to leave us with uh, with amazing uh, gems as the uh, as he as he exits Formula One, much like he did today in today in, in the Grand Prix, where uh, I just see uh, out of nowhere you just see uh, Zhou Guan Yu going like kind of like weirdly sideways towards one of the escape roads, and I was like, "What the hell's happened? Why is this?" I didn't see yep. anything go on, and then they show the replay, and it's just a blue blur, <laughs> yep. <laughs> flying past him, dodging totally a Latifi. Yep, yeah, <laughs> and it was it was Latifi, um, absolutely blowing it. Instead of going like around him on the left, he like went by him on. I think he like somehow tried to squeeze by him, but still missed the apex of the turn and went, went like flying through like that chicane. So yeah, just totally blew that entire turn and also took out Zhou Guan Yu in the process. That was that was very early on in the Grand Prix. Um, so I mean, it's 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 great that Latifi keeps us guessing when he's going to pull his. I mean, it's, it's not weekly because we don't have Grand Prix weekly, but his weekly stunt. You know, um, I am going to miss that. I'm going to miss that, and I think I think it was important for us to take that time uh, in. Um, when we went on the, that retreat to Santa Barbara last week to, to really just like have a, have a spa day, have, have some, some quiet moments, some times to reflect, to look out at the ocean and just remember that we have just witnessed potentially we were, the greatest five years in motorsport history. Yeah. We were, we were lucky enough to be a part of his time in the yeah. sport. Yeah. Yeah, it's rarefied air we've all been breathing as F one fans uh, this past all right. well these past few seasons. But we should we should move on. We shouldn't. We can't linger too. He would I can't. Yeah, he would I not can't. want this. He wouldn't want this. I can't. Yeah, I'm. It's it's too much to keep going. Yeah. Um, so as as previously alluded to, uh, I was watching the race from a pretty deep state of Corona nineteen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. uh for me it's it's still sort of a blur that yeah. went by really fast and also was the slowest race of all time. Yes. And uh so what it wh- and I, I don't know, I, I felt really strange about the race. Like it seemed like there was lots of eventful things, but like they were all happening at the speed of Robotussin. And yeah, you know, there John. was yeah. Yeah, there was um, incidents, there was stuff, but like none of it seemed like none of it was like me like getting onto the edge of my couch and being like, "Whoa, what just happened there?" or whatnot. Like it just it seemed to continually be like there was how many DNFs were there? There was like six or seven, six. I believe there was a total of six DNFs. Over six the cars did not finish, and I would say not one of them had their race end in any way that seemed like particularly dramatic. Like no, it seemed no. like almost every single one was just like, oh, sorry, I was going up a hill and got stuck in the mud and now my race is over. Yeah. Now and... I got mud in my shoe and like I can't put my <laughs> muddy shoes back in the car. So let's just my, call it my je- Yeah, my jeans are wet. I'm going home. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it wasn't there. The the the, the DNFs were uh, so great. Um, the the DNFs were like the most uneventful DNFs. Uh, I think half of them happened in the pit lane. Like it was just like, oh, 
nope, you're done. Your race is over. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, then exactly. the others, others were like very chill. Like most of them were, were very chill. I think they're like the most dramatic, the, the two most dramatic DNFs. This is wild to be like, let's rank the DNFs uh, uh, in this Grand Prix. But we have to, it's Singapore. So it's, uh, <laughs> it was probably uh, Yuki Sonoda, like, when he got out of his car, he was so angry at himself for mm-hmm. ending his own race. Like, but they didn't show they you could just see like the like the energy of him getting out of his car and like him like throwing his seatbelts back into the car and him taking uh, the headrest and just kind of like taking it and like shoving it back down into the cockpit and jamming the steering wheel on upside down. Like he didn't even turn the steering wheel on like back to the way it was mm-hmm. he just like jammed it back onto the stock. Uh, there was that, that was a bit dramatic, uh, but only because you know, it was Yuki being angry at himself. And uh, then there was the moment of, uh, of Ocon when his motor exploded, when his engine exploded, it exploded it did it happened but like the none of the cameras really caught it and then they went back and showed the replay and it was like oh that was actually a pretty dramatic like uh did like the plumes of like smoke coming out of the back of mm-hmm. uh of of the renault um of the alpine whatever uh it, and that was a bit dramatic but otherwise <laughs> no um not much action there was a stellar shot of alonso sitting trackside just drenched in sweat uh watching the grand prix like he didn't even bother to go back to the alpine garage but um yeah he somehow found like a baseball dugout off the side of the track that he was watching from looking uh looking pissed off and and wet Um, yeah you know and and again like that was another big parallel for me watching the race was like by the end when the drivers were all like getting out super exhausted and like pouring water all over their heads yeah. and whatnot. Uh, uh, I was, I was like, yes, I'm right there with you guys. Water. That's the way I'm, yeah. that's the way I've been feeling watching this, uh, sitting yeah. here in my, in my like sickness. F- fever dreams, uh, that, that were the actual Grand Prix. Uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely as someone who was not <laughs> fever and COVID ridden, um, I did watch the same Grand Prix as you, John, and I did have the same general feel for what I saw. I was like, what the hell am I watching? Like, what is this anyways? Uh, it felt like, I mean, it felt like it was a race, but it did the whole wet to dry thing. And then when people put the, when, when people strap the, the soft tires on and, and the real race tires, like the race got boring. Like it felt like very anticlimactic for me, even though a ton of stuff happened even after that, like a ton of stuff, but it still for some reason felt boring to me. Um, maybe not boring. Yeah, I mean, anti-climactic. I, I, I typically love these conditions. Like I love mm-hmm. the transition from, uh, you know, from dry to wet makes it exciting but going from wet to it drying out and everybody having to first off like create a dry line on the track that forms just from the cars running over it which means the moment you step one tires width outside of that line you're on ice Mm -hmm. uh you know to me that always makes it super exciting but it was really bizarre how like i guess they were saying the local humidity there was making it so difficult for the track surface to to properly dry and it was staying slick so much longer than anyone expected it was to the point where everybody was running their intermediate tires their tires that are made mm-hmm. for these kinds of conditions where they're like they're not a full wet tire but it's able to handle some of that that wet condition they were running them all the way down so that those grooves that help you deal with the the moisture on the track were worn completely away and the tires were back to being like slick tires to a certain Basically, point. Yeah. Was uh, that it the, was also kind of slick intermediate or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, the slick intermediate. Um I did appreciate uh Mercedes move just to be like, you know, all right, uh George Russell, you're you're still in last place. You're just gonna be the guinea pig. Yeah. And we're going to put you on slicks, even though it's like 10 laps too early. And yeah. they could have brought him in. I'm actually surprised that they didn't, because I think there was a very high likelihood of him wrecking 
the car. It wasn't yeah. so much that he was going to lose time. It was that he could throw the car away into, into one of those walls, very unforgiving street circuit in, in mm-hmm. Singapore walls all around everywhere you go. But just, it was pretty what fun all the other offs and all the other like, crashes into walls <laughs> yielded. Yes. By the way. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. All the other crashes yeah. were like, Hey, you just back out of it and you're fine. Uh, for the most part, except for Yuki, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was it was fun watching uh you know uh Russell be the like cat wearing socks trying yeah. to uh navigate the Marina Bay circuit. Yeah. And even hearing other like Ray I mean, they kept talking to Christian Horner all weekend. Uh don't don't love that. Um I don't love it when they talk to any of the team principals as we've talked about before but i particularly don't love hearing christian horner come in over the the tv uh because i don't he's just such a pompous ass uh but yeah he listening to him go on and on about the like the accusations uh was like so frustrating so annoying so (laughs) but i mean i get it i get it they got to talk to him they do oh what was your thought on Mercedes? Because there was like a conversation with Lewis and uh, and his mechanics about maybe keeping the wet tires on instead of going to intermediates to start the race. Do you think that that would have been a good idea? I mean, based on what you were just saying about it being like it's staying wet, do you think that would have been a good move or do you think that was pointless? I I think it was pointless. I mean, I think, you know, I I would have liked to see a little more variation in strategy and approach. Like it was one of these things where everyone is like, the risk is so high that everyone ends up just kind of mimicking each other's moves. You know, it's this thing where like every single team is rather than building their own strategy, they're just observing what the entire field as a whole are choosing to do. And so would have been nice to see some variation in there, but I think it was probably the probably the the smartest decision to stay stay where they were at. I think any of these wild card options wouldn't have gotten anyone anywhere after seeing how the how the conditions unfolded. Yeah, that's true. Doesn't seem like the I don't think there was an advantage to be found in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean maybe maybe. But it's that's the whole like, uh, who knows? <laughs> Let's like briefly talk about qualifying uh, and uh, and and free practice. Did you watch any of free practice? I know this I didn't. I didn't bit. catch any of free practice. I caught the I caught the last two qualifying sessions. What did I miss in uh, in free uh, practice? Just, I mean, it looked like Hamilton was was crushing it uh, in that first pre, uh, free practice session. It was like the yeah. first one that he uh, he was P one in. I think all season is what the the stat was, um, which is pretty wild to think that he has not led a free practice yeah. one because that's just something that he's been dominating for the past several years. Or maybe any of the free practice sessions. It may be the first free practice session at all that he's led. Maybe yeah. not just FP one, like maybe any of them. No, I think I think that's correct for for this year. And I, I did see that he had yeah he had made it to the top of the of the chart. I thought that was pretty pretty exciting. But that was just yeah. FP1, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh which which it's not that Lewis didn't show potential in uh in the race. It's just uh he didn't really he wasn't able to really convert that first practice session into anything meaningful and because of the nature of the Singapore race and the practice sessions, it's a little weird. Their FP1 is in the daylight which like qualifying is run at night and the race is run at night. So it's hard to set that as an indicator. So it was just kind of when, when he set free practice one, when he was P one, people were like, Oh, that's pretty impressive. Eh, but there's a big old asterisk next to that. Cause we're not going to see conditions like that for the rest of the weekend. Uh, and then he qualified third. Uh, and I think there was like, he missed it by like one, one hundredth uh, yeah. of a second. So, Mercedes was showing real form. Uh, at least Lewis's car was showing real form. I know that George had an issue, which saw him start from the pit lane because they changed the power unit just as like a precaution because he was going to have to start so low. Anyways, he was out in qualifying for the first time in a very long time. He was out in the first qualifying session. So yep. they kind of did that calculated thing. 
which makes sense. Um, and, uh, you know, Red Bull pulled a Ferrari-style move and putting Max out there without enough fuel to to make it to the end. And Yeah, yeah. You know, there was, there were, I, I did get a little bit of like a tickle of glee from hearing Max's radio communication after he was told to come in during his hot lap. And uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was. Uh, it was, I, I, I do wish we had like a camera of him just like, you know, inside the the cockpit, just, you know, s- just scratching apart everything in yeah. the interior, <laughs> like a like a cat thrown in a shower, just like bugging out completely. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he definitely that was very, very funny. I watched uh, I think it was the pre-race show where Felipe Massa uh, was talking to. Mm, I can't remember if it was Laura. I think it might have been Laura Winters, but he was talking to to the other person who was going through the pre-race show. And he was like, oh, it's interesting to see uh, Red Bull make a strategy mistake. It's usually Ferrari making those mistakes. And she was like, you, as a former Ferrari driver and a Ferrari ambassador, you are allowed to say that. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's pretty cool mm-hmm. seeing Red Bull make a, just a total bonehead move because that's usually Ferrari's department which that was very funny to to hear someone just openly comment about that on F1 TV because yep. that's usually as much as we say and we talk about like Ferrari's the laughing stock it's mostly like the media outside of F1 and like people outside of F1 who refer to Ferrari as the clown right. so when someone within like that entity is also like the mask kind of slips and they say something it's like ooh careful <laughs> They, they, you know where your paychecks come from, right? <laughs> Which is F1, and the F1 and Ferrari are kind of one and the same. So careful, do not bite the hand. But I guess Massa can say that kind of <laughs> like he's yeah. Who could who could stay mad at Felipe Massa? Oh, he says it with the most like adorable smile. He says everything, even when he's like pissed. He still seems to have a smirk on his face. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's interesting to watch Max lose ground. That start that he had, man. Yeah, Max had a rough weekend. This yeah, is... he had a real rough re- weekend. I heard a inter- a post race interview with him where he was just like, "Yeah, I just gotta, I just gotta put this all behind me." This race was like on a scale of like one to ten. This was like a negative five. Like I yeah. hated every second of it, and I couldn't wait for it to be over. Yeah, like, it, and it's so wild to hear him. First of all, I think this is the whole well no, he definitely said it when they pulled him into the 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 pit lane before that last qualifying lap. He said his catch phrase, it's a word, unbelievable. This is like the first time I haven't yeah. heard him say the f- word unbelievable after like a race or a qualifying session. He just said it's this is unbelievable, and I think it was in between bleeps that he said that too. So, it's... Um, what what I heard was uh, an interview being played on uh, uh, the BBC uh, podcast, mm-hmm. and he said something to the effect of like, uh, you know, it was I just don't like racing like in a part of the pack that I shouldn't be in. Which wow, I was I was like, whoa, hey. Take it easy buddy. there, buddy. Uh that's uh that's pretty that's pretty rough. Like, hey, if you gotta if you gotta fight your way through the pack, that's like you should have no problem doing that when you're yeah. the you're, uh the the champ. You the know, best in the business. Yeah. Yeah, that should that should kind of come with the the territory. And yeah. uh yeah. So he said he also said he had uh no fun whatsoever out there today, uh during yeah. like the 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 interview, which it was very obvious that he had no fun whatsoever out there today. But if you look at, and I don't, I don't mean to pick on him, uh, but like if you look at somebody like Yuki Sonoda, if Yuki had said, "I had absolutely no fun out there today whatsoever," he would get dragged by everybody. He would be slammed by the media. He would be publicly reprimanded by Helmut Marco and everybody else at Red Bull. He might even be potentially like rumored about being dropped as someone. It's like you're in a Red Bull. You drive no matter what. I know Alpha Tower is not a Red Bull, but you know what I'm saying. Like it's the same bosses. Like so it's just such a like, hey Max, you you can't let your arrogance 
really bubble over like that and show. Like we're all we all want you to be the champion here. We want you to like don't be the like entitled I mean this is all, you know, at the same mm. time this is all like champion noob sort of sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to see this guy have several more championships and I I presume that he will mature and evolve and handle it with much more grace, you know, than, yeah. than maybe we, we heard about today. Yeah. Uh, well, but, even, Oh, even in like, there was like a post, I think the post qualifying interview with Lawrence Barreto, Lawrence was like, oh, all right, well, you're still in the top 10. And Max put his thumb up and made the like shittiest face and was like, yeah, great. <laughs> and it was just such a like, dude, like, Oof. yeah, that was, it was a beautiful human moment to see someone be like, hey, chin up, like, you know, you're still in there, right? And then him being like, yeah, like, kindly shut the f*** up was, like, the tone of the response to to Lawrence. And it was like, hey, just, he's a reporter trying to, like, put a positive spin on your failings of the weekend. Yeah. Like, he's trying to give you a nice softball there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whether you want like, to admit it or not, like you failed, you are Red Bull too. You don't get to go like sometimes I fail, so and sometimes the team fails, and we just need to own that. It's like, hey, you need to own your mistakes. You never need to tell your team that they need to own their mistakes. They do it all the time, all the time. Whenever they come up short, so like, yeah, that just that was a little bit gross, uh, and then that attitude kind of carried over for the whole weekend so i'm i mean i'm not gonna lie i'm glad he wasn't on the podium uh with his like attitude all weekend uh i'm i'm thankful that i didn't have to watch max kind of like you know be like oh i mean it's whatever i had to wait make my way it was like a tough race or whatever um because he still carries that same attitude of like i don't belong in the mid pack. It's like, I should have been leading the race the whole time anyways. Like, uh, but it's good to fight back from the back. You know, um, it's just, I think he could do a better job, uh, being a better sportsman at times when he's not doing so hot. So there was a moment there when Max was battling through the pack and, uh, it brought out an absolutely beautiful little bit of language from, Martin Brundle, like one of the most beautiful sayings I've ever heard. And I've never, I had never heard it before. And it's like, absolutely. It was gorgeous. Like I, I rewound it several times so I could hear it and I may still have it wrong. I may be a little bit off, but I think this is exactly what he said. And it's of, it's the most British thing I heard all weekend. Uh, there's another one that I heard, but this is the most British thing. Uh, when, uh, when Verstappen was trying to pass Alonzo, uh, like lap 12, like when that battle kind of started and Alonzo was just like letting him get real close in the corners and then like pulling out a lead. Martin Brundle comes over <laughs> the mic and says, ah, Max better be careful. He's trying to take a bit of honey off a of grizzly. And I was like, oh, yes, Martin. Uh, it was uh, such a like. That's that's great. I, I've never Do heard they even that. have grizzlies in, in I don't the UK? think so. I don't I, think what? so. But yeah. But I was like, well, it's yeah, lovely. Martin. It was beautiful. It was such a beautiful little saying. Um, that's, that was, that's 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 lovely. Um I don't have so a good, good uh I don't have a good Britishism of the week, but there was another great Brundle moment where mm-hmm. uh they were playing, you know, what is now the most typical radio message from George Russell which is him, you know, running yes. someone off the track and then him complaining that they were moving in on him. I forget what what exact incident it was and how it was phrased, but immediately <laughs> like the second the uh radio uh message finished, Martin Brundle knowing that there would be like a gap while everyone else is waiting to hear if like the message is completed before the other announcers come right in. He just like very very quietly and calmly it was like just went like no george that's not what happened you know it was just, no oh no, right no no absolutely not no you come on george oh yeah i what was that i and remember I, I took that, that too. as like i took that as like that would be if martin brundle was was my father that would be like i would i would have the the deepest shame 
if he ever spoke to me in that same like overly restrained manner as a way of showing extreme disappointment. I can't remember what it was. I know exactly what you're talking about though. Like that is, that is definitely, there was a moment of, of George saying something very specific that was wrong. I think it might've been even when him and who did he have contact with? He ended up hitting somebody and like sending them off. I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, he, he, he ran into the side of will I am. <laughs> yes, he did. He, he, the, George, George was such a, sh- uh, he, he, he bumped into there was a- Apple, 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 the app. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, I just, I truly do. Uh, George also said like, it's just like the most unaware response of like when Schumacher was, uh, when he was like battling Schumacher, uh, the dude was, he's like, Oh, Schumacher. It's like, he's driving for his life here. It's like, Hey George, he kind of is. Uh, so like, (laughs) what do you, are you, do you not realize that this man may not have an F1 seat next year? And like, that was, that that was actually pretty, pretty awesome. Like the, the, the fact that there was a radio communication that yeah effectively just came down to like why is he trying so hard in this sporting competition yeah uh <laughs> capped off with the 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 perfect british thing of crikey he's driving for his life crikey uh and then again i think martin brundle came on again and was like well george that's because he is he's out here to prove himself this weekend in haas for his seat next year because it's not guaranteed like fully what came on and was just like shut up george just shut up it's also very funny i it's it's so funny that george is like the one guy that everyone kind of hates like he's like the very posh and prim like silver spoon londoner who everyone is like you are what's wrong with british culture (laughs) like you're what we all make fun of I don't feel like he fully <laughs> owns that mantle yet, but he's clearly on a trajectory towards that, especially with his now <laughs> trademark, you know, overwhining when he oh. is at fault for uh, for for, for whatever incident, yeah, unfolds. Yeah. He does just immediately complain as soon as anything happens. Oh, when uh, <laughs> when Russell came out of the pits on mediums, he was like, oh. What's going on? These tires have absolutely no grip. And then Martin Brundle was like, no kidding, son. Like, it was like the most like undercutting, like, ooh, ooh okay. Or he's like, ah, didn't need, uh, it was like something like, didn't need a something to tell you that. Like, it was just like such a like brutal British thing yeah, to it's, do. It, cause, and, and normally Brundle and the rest of the commentators do a great job of being very, um, you know, open to whatever happens and even when there's like nasty radio messages they usually are like listen the guys are heated right now and whatnot they're very frustrated and they shouldn't say that but it's a difficult position for them to be in you know yeah yeah (laughs) it was pretty great though so albon ends up retiring loses his wing again another person running into a barrier pulling out and then driving away and it's like oh i guess it's not that big a deal to crash 80 miles an hour into like a wall mm-hmm. but yeah he he ends up retiring too uh he retires in the pits he's one of those people who pulled into the pit lane they didn't let him back out which kind of sucked to see albon retire from this race because he fought really hard to get back from yeah. literal respiratory failure so mm-hmm. the fact that he was driving in the hardest conditions and made it uh all the way to what was it lap 27 um after driving in the practice sessions and uh and in the qualifying and qualifying well immediately jumping back in the car and doing better than latifi <laughs> after yeah. having his after like having to be resuscitated wow wow latifi ah, ah, love you dude but like wow are you consistent then okay when okan retired people are like what's wrong with his car and it started slowly creeping back because of like the oil dumping out of the bottom of it it looked like the car just like <laughs> itself and was just slowly backing up <laughs> it just like a smear that <laughs> uh, was very funny that was sad but funny so many virtual safety cars what are your thoughts on the virtual safety car john 
Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like the virtual safety car isn't as exciting to me because it doesn't bring out the, it doesn't like have the dynamic of changing the race by clumping the, the field together. Yeah. But I mean, that's the, that's, that's why it exists. That's why it was created was uh, when there were incidents that weren't major enough or time consuming enough that it wouldn't immediately, you know, collapse the field together. But to me, like almost always collapsing the field together is a good thing and kind of like shakes up the race a little, honestly, uh, a little bit. I feel that way too, especially after today, because it just felt so clumsy, like the virtual safety car periods. Uh, they It had the cars tripping clumsy. over so, each other. So Yeah, and I thought the virtual safety car, I thought it was effectively like a software-enabled limiter on the cars. No. So it is the only, I guess the only like computational component of it is when the virtual safety car is thrown, there is uh, software that calculates whatever a 40% decrease in throttle is from your current throttle speed or current throttle input is. So okay. you're not allowed to exceed like that. Like, so there's like a number that constantly is monitored uh, or a number that is like constantly like, yeah, I guess monitored on the dash. But um, it's not, it's not limited. No, it it's just up to monitored. the driver. Okay. Yeah, okay. so it's just like, right, hey, you're was, approaching. Because I was confused by the fact that it seemed like there were multiple points in one of the VSCs in particular where drivers were like leaping ahead, almost mm -hmm. accidentally passing one another and whatnot. It seemed like there was just a lot of general confusion. So it's not 40%. It is uh, a 30%. So during the virtual safety car, drivers are slowed down by 30% using an automated timing system. So it's not about like your speed. It's about you cannot exceed uh, like your delta. Like it's your specific delta within a sector time. Mm -hmm. So like they can't, be within 30% of their like delta time when the virtual safety car is thrown right so like if you were at 100% throttle let's say uh in your mini sector you can't be you would only be allowed to be at 70% of your throttle um during that mini sector and that's like monitored constantly through telemetry and then if you violate that that is the problem but that's taken on average through the sectors so like that's why you see people speed up and slow down and speed up because they're like oh i can make up x amount of time within this sector so like that's why you saw like max speeding up and getting right next to lando and then kind of having to like back off because he was like right there and had that extra time that he could make up in that sector and he was trying to make it mm -hmm. up at like a greater at like a closer to 70% throttle speed versus like maybe Lando was backing off to try and like make sure his sector times were at the right, uh, within the right percentage. So it's all about like super calculated throttle control within your sectors. Yep. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> it seems to make things needlessly complicated and uh, maybe even dangerous. I mean, and <sighs> quite frankly, Johnny, I'd rather see a safety car because does back the cars up and kind of resets everything and makes it equal. And like the VSC, even though that was the intended purpose was to be like, oh, we need to like reset and make everyone equal. Kind of. It makes them too equal to like a boring extent where it's like, oh, what was the point? Yeah, of that? It, it basically just feels like it's just throwing the race on on hold. Yeah. Yeah. Which who gives a shit? So yeah, speaking of putting the race on hold, it did feel like when things dried out, like I know that the action kept going. I know that that's true, of course, but it did feel like it got real, real boring. Like as soon as all those pit stops happened. Um, yeah. And like, I didn't realize DRS hadn't been enabled all race until they were like, it hasn't been enabled. Yeah, there was, <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. a point where they announced it being enabled and I was like, wait, what? Why? What, when was it not enabled? And I was like, oh, yeah. crap, it wasn't. Which makes sense because it's a street circuit and the walls are close and the DRS zones were still wet offline. So it's 
but these are also the best drivers right. in the world. I mean, to me, unquestionably, <sighs> the race started with a one-hour delay. I think yeah. we would have had yeah. a significantly more exciting race and a race that Max Verstappen himself would have enjoyed more if it just started on schedule. And it started yeah. in wetter or actively raining conditions because then you wouldn't have – because the the race ended up being very un, undramatic because mm-hmm. passing was made exceptionally difficult, including for monsters like Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, who were spending enormous amounts of time stuck behind people that they should have no problem being able to just knife their way through. And yeah. they couldn't because they would have to go off that drier line to the super wet line. And if it was just everything was wet and everyone and every inch of the, the racing surface you would have had a lot more dynamic action and, and yeah. passing would have been significantly more achievable. And I think we would have had a, a much more dynamic Grand Prix. So I, I think, you know, to me, especially considering that the race has the, the sport has this whole concept of like, we have full wet tires and whatnot. Like we are a, yeah. we race in the wet. We are not, you know, NASCAR or, or something like, uh, it, it was very disappointing to me that we had this, this delay. And then that, that delay to me, I think ended up bringing like significantly impairing the quality of the, the racing action. Yeah. Yeah. And the weird thing is they like tout that like the wet tires can uh, disperse 60 liters of water per second. And it's like, yeah, they can if you put them on the car. But like if they just sit in tire blankets in the garage, then who cares how much water they can displace? Because you won't let them use them. You won't let them race in the wet. So that was that was annoying. Uh, Overall, I thought the race was very entertaining. I love Singapore. I love that track. Um, uh, I, I do appreciate the temperament of the weather playing a huge role in this, but I think we could have let them race kind of like they should have let them race maybe a little bit earlier in Monaco, but mm-hmm. just like Monaco, we had Sergio Perez coming through. He won the whole damn thing. And that was very impressive. Weirdly threw out a radio message saying the drivability of the engine is weird under braking and under traction. Like that was like a weird, like what's happening? What what is this? You're what do you mean the drivability is weird? Like yeah, that's a like, and I mean, I was at least relieved that it sounded like the engineers on the other end of the radio like understood what he was saying and weren't like, what you, like you're gonna have to explain that a little yeah. more to us. I I assume it has something just to do with like the the way that the power is delivered and like how linear the power delivery is or something yeah. along those lines. Um I don't know. People you know, were set I mean, we had six DNFs, so and a lot of them were mechanical DNFs. So there may have been real issues with like the ambient temperature and the humidity and everything. That's what like everyone was saying. If you see the people who are driving those cars get out of the car looking like that, imagine what the car itself is dealing with, right? <laughs> so like, like imagine the Flintstones episode where the car is some like you know prehistoric <laughs> animal that they've been <laughs> riding around on the whole time, and it turns to the camera at the end of the race after you know yes. Sergio is pouring water on his head and be like, "That was exhausting," and it's just like. You thought it was exhausting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you could say that again as it like puffs exhaust. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so uh, we, we we ended up having uh, another perfect radio message from Sergio Perez, by the way. Also finding out he almost got that penalty for being yeah. 10 car lengths too far behind the safety car during the safety. I mean, he which was is like a, 50 car lengths behind the safety car. <laughs> a long ways. Um, <laughs> but Fittipaldi actually said something after the race. He's like, as long as he wasn't like juking people and being like dishonest with yeah. lagging, like it's better to have the cars lagging and then all get going at the same speed versus like what happened. Where was that? Uh, is that, was that in, Portugal where that huge accident happened or was that in Italy oh where, where was everyone that? was was closing down on the safety yeah. car uh w- w- there was that and then it also comes to mind when like Hamilton and Vettel were like banging tires right behind the safety car yeah and, and that was in like but yeah I mean it's it... maybe I don't know uh all right so 
the last little bit that Sergio said there, the last little quote, um, as the race is ending, he comes over the radio and says, this is how we do it. We shut our mouth. We work hard. This is the Mexican way. It's like, that's incredible. That's incredible. It was such like a bold statement to be like, hey, wow. everyone who's been talking shit about me, I shut my mouth. I do my work. That's what we do. And it was like, I love that. I really love that that is just like, that was his response to all of the speculation about like, well, what's going to happen? I mean, is there going to be a chance that like Nick DeVries gets signed to Alpha Towery and then he gets moved up and then they have two Dutch people, right? And it was like, no, he just shut his mouth, did his work, won the race. That's it. That's it. So I love that. I really, really love that. And I appreciate hearing that. Good for Sergio. He's, Yeah. uh, yeah. Hard, gave, hard not to have an appreciation for him. Yeah. I mean, it gave me goosebumps. Like, I heard him say that, and I was like, whoa, that, that like, speaks more than anything else, is him just saying that very short statement at the end of winning. And, like, I'm sure there were other radio messages or other things that were relayed back and forth to him and the team. But, like, it was just great to hear that piped through because uh, it, it does kind of, like, put a stamp on Sergio. And he won it by, like, seven and change so he got past that five second penalty yep. for being too far behind the safety car overall i think i do think the stock of of f1 went up this week i do believe that i, I believe that the the anticipation of the race drove it up the anticipation of going back to singapore drove it up i don't know if the race itself yielded so much as far as like a return on our investment <laughs> but the uh the stock definitely, I think, climbed back up, especially after there being some some downtime and the news out of Russia with Russia being as bad as F1 <laughs> was like, hey, yeah, we're not going to race in Russia. And then the week after the Russian Grand Prix would have taken place, they like fully annexed multiple parts of Ukraine violently. So it was like, good. I'm glad we didn't race there. Good job, yeah. F1. Yeah, that's um uh... That's a good good look for for F one at least. Um, another interesting little bit that you know for me, I yeah, I I didn't see this race moving the sport forward in any particular way, uh, mm-hmm. but there was something notable that uh, unfolded just recently, uh, or I think at least yeah. since the last time we recorded, which was that Sky Sports has had a massive extension on their. Uh, exclusive contract with formula one going all the way through 2029 which yeah that length of a contract my understanding is like very unprecedented in broadcast sports yeah and may lead to some interesting long-term strategies that enhance the way that their their broadcast is uh yeah is is produced and how it unfolds in in the coming years I think uh, I think you're right. I think it is going to be very interesting to see Sky Sports dominating the broadcast of F1 going forward. And then also, there is, I mean, we're recording this the day of the race. There is a, a commission that will be releasing its findings on the 4th uh, to talk about r- potentially Red Bull violating the cost cap last year. And yeah. also Aston Martin and maybe a third team too. There's a big story where it's like no one should have leaked this information. So Horner's all pissed off because he's feeling accused, and Toto is feeling all pissed off because he's feeling swindled out of uh, the title and development. And Ferrari's angry because they got wind tunnel time last year that like should have been based on the percentage of uh, <laughs> of what they like deserved and if red bull kind of yeah. cut the books a little bit it makes everybody uh, a little uncomfortable in the way that this is being dealt with so we'll we'll hear about that there's no official like penalty for violating the cost cap which is like the scary quote unquote the idea is to scare people to be like it could be anything we could take away driver championship points we could uh, ban you from competing this year they could like do a whole yeah. bunch of things so the mm-hmm. the parallel that I see drawn is that the cost cap and violating it would be the equivalent of like doping in any other sport, which means yeah, massive ramifications, like epic yeah, scale I mean, disqualifications. Yeah, be interesting to see in forty eight yeah. hours when that drops. Uh, 
if it's as monumental as it could be as it potentially could be well i mean that all by itself feels like a great uh uh reason why stock is going to continue to go up because people are like really invested in like ooh, extra drama too (laughs) uh so we need drama of course we need more drama in f1 well i'm excited to see what the results of that commission are uh we have Zhou Guan Yu has been officially re-signed with Alfa Romeo. So we're basically just looking at who is going to be driving in that Alpine seat. I think that's like the final final piece of the puzzle. And uh, the driver market should be pretty much locked off uh, once, that, uh, once that's in place. We'll see exactly where Pierre Gasly goes. We'll see exactly who goes to Alpha Tauri if Pierre Gasly leaves leaves and goes to alpine so excited to see that excited to see hopefully schumacher remains an f1 uh, that's uh, um fingers crossed there big fingers crossed moment where can the folks find you out there in the world john uh you can always track me down on twitter my handle's johnny motion and i'm always talking about some silly stuff over there where can the folks find you Corey? uh find my goofy ass at burn cory burn on all the social media stuff and you can also catch us on the f1 files on twitter and also uh we're we're going to maybe be introducing a new element next week uh so folks stay tuned and we will catch up with you the next time after the japanese grand prix wow right we're going back went back to singapore this year going back to japan this year this is gonna be suzuka baby suzuka we're back to one of the most beautifully designed circuits with the most ravenous fan base outside of italy for formula one so we're uh we're excited to see them uh we're excited to see all the amazing costumes and get up and cosplay that is done because folks if you want to see some really cool looking Formula One <laughs> themed and just weird themed costume play, you will see it at the Japanese Grand Prix. But folks, thank you so much for listening and we will catch up with you and you will catch up with us the next time on the F1 Files. Boo!